Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? This is Epic Sparks. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation! What's up, everybody? Kyle Haywood here. I want to talk about me. want to talk about I want to talk about number one. With my good friend, Logan Jones. Logan, are you excited for our episode today? Dude, yes. Um, we've been, I feel like we've been talking about it like on and off for the past eight hours. And now we're actually in front of the mics doing it. And I'm, I am, I'm super pumped for this one. <laughs> exactly. As soon as, uh, as soon as the aces and fever game went zeros, we've been like slowly chatting about everything that we want to hit tonight. Um, honestly, if we wanted to talk about everything, that Logan and I have been talking about, you would have a four hour episode in front of you. But as you can tell, looking at the time of this episode, it's not four hours. Um, <laughs> it's only, but two. it's going to be <laughs> so uh, only a short drive, unfortunately. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be across uh, like, like a crossing your entire state type of drive <laughs> type of drive episode. But we do have a lot of great things to talk about. First of all, I just want to give a shout out. I actually haven't been on Mike for the last little bit. Um, but, uh, a shout out to you, Steve and Jason in our preseason, uh, picks episode. There was essentially almost every thought that I had as I was, cause all I did was I just sent you guys my, my picks. I didn't give any explanations or anything cause I was planning on getting there. Um, my night ended up not being able to make it work so I could, but it was funny because as you would say something or Jason or Steve would say something about, well, I think maybe he's picking it this because of that. You guys were almost 100% spot on. I was like, we've been doing this too long and we're, we're too close to friends yeah. that you guys know exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> so it, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really solid. Well, Logan, before we hop directly into what we're going to be talking about tonight, do you got want to give the quick 30 second rundown of how everybody can get in contact with us? Of course. Uh, you found the podcast. Thank you for being here. We hope you stick with us. If you haven't uh, yet left a five star review, Tell us what you think of the show, what you like, what you enjoy about our coverage, what how, how you feel like we fit into your WNBA media diet. That'd be awesome. Um, you can also find a bunch of stuff connected to the show, both on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod and through our website at WNBANation.com. Sorry, there's no at in the website. It's just WNBANation.com. On the website, there's links to our store page, our blog, our socials, the podcast. If, if you just want to keep going in circles from podcast to website, website to podcast, that would be a great way to do it um, because it's all connected. So WNBNation.com, that's where you can find us all. Um, and then you'll find each of our individual Twitter handles if you follow the podcast and the Twitter account um, because we're tweeting it and talking about it all the time. So um, if you are new and new to the WNBA and like in that zone where you're looking for a new team, or if you're one of our longtime listeners who's gotten to know us really well over the years... Welcome to the regular season. We finally have multiple hosts on a podcast for the WNBA regular season 2023. Let's go. <laughs> I'm stoked, dude. Uh, well done. Well done. Logan, we got a few things that we got to hit tonight. Uh, but first, can we talk about the games that we just watched earlier today? Yes. Because there were some doozies. <laughs> there were some, there were some seriously great, uh, games that were played. Um, 
the first game of the day ended up being um, a really solid one between Dallas and Connecticut. Connecticut taking care of business against the Wings, um, but a really solid performance, really, uh, of by by several Dallas Wings players, in particular, uh, one Satu Sabali who came away with 26 points and 14 rebounds. What a solid outing that was by Sabali. Um, but not quite enough to handle the likes of Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, Tiffany Hayes, and Brianna Jones, who absolutely, uh, who absolutely, um, just, just took care of business. Connecticut is looking so solid. They were the team that I had, I think all of us hosts, we had so many question marks. I think they went everywhere from like maybe like third or fourth to like 11th. For each I, of I us, had them, and, I had them at ten, and I I'm correcting yeah. you because I don't want people to get even more mad at me. But I did have okay, them at 10. and I and 10. I have apologized, okay. but I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I am sorry. Um, Dewana Bonner <laughs> a season high 22 points at this one. Priyan Jones with Thomas Defays. They're <laughs> they're somehow they're the same old Connecticut son who just at various points around the league have been disrespected for like five or six years, even though. I, like they have to have one of the better win totals of the entire league over the past decade. They're just for, for some sure. reason they just won't go anywhere. And I'm not rooting against them, and I'm not rooting for them just because I want to apologize for being wrong. I legitimately am excited about a Connecticut Sun team that is six and one and looks like they're going to challenge this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. Absolutely. Um, kind of a rough game from Arike. Yeah. Tonight went three of sixteen. Yeah. From the floor, including 0 for 5. Yeah, couldn't, point I was going to say, couldn't get it going from distance. In fact, pretty much everybody else in the starting five uh, did get it going from distance. So I understand yeah. why she kept firing away. Um, because they were, they, they did win the second half of this game against Connecticut. And I think they were trying to take chunks of that lead away. So I understand why maybe that was the offensive game plan. But... Yeah, it is. If I I don't know, I don't have the stats on this, but I think this is the first time all year that Sabali has had more shot attempts than Urike in a game. Mm. I I don't think that's a bad approach in no. the future for the Dallas Wings. I don't think you need to go into the game dictating this is how many shots you're going to take, this is how many times you're going to touch the ball or whatever. That's right. obviously much because too there's, stiff. there's a lot of flow to the game. That sure, but I think if you're pounding it into Howard and Sabali more of the time. Um, that's probably a good thing for your, your long-term prospects. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think Sabali, I think Sabali is going to have an absolute breakout season. And I think that, uh, with injuries or different like team chemistry things going on, I think that her WNBA career has been somewhat stifled to this point. But, um, if you go back and listen to back when Sabali and, uh, UNESCO were being drafted, um, I think, uh, I, I remember talking to several individuals who, uh, who were close to, you know, pa- at least Pac 12 basketball mentioning that Sabali could easily be the better prospect, even over Ionescu. She, she's th- going to be, that could be the, the case. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's going to be a mainstay in the league for a long time. Um, also, we, this is not a name that we bring up a lot on the podcast, but since we're touching on Dallas really quickly, uh, Veronica Burton, last year's first round pick. I think she was number seven overall. I'm mm-hmm. um, still very young. I think she's 22 years old. Uh, team high seven assists in the game. Yeah. So we talk a lot about the starting five players on virtually every team in the league because we kind of run down who's playing well and who's not. I like seeing that from her. It's 
we kind of know what we get from Arike on a given night. Like we know it's going to be inconsistent, but sometimes she's going to go nuclear and go for 30 plus, And sometimes she's going to fall flat in games like this. Crystal Dangerfield, I think is a really, really strong pairing with her in the backcourt. And then that, that X factor is kind of that fifth spot because you know, Howard and Sobley are going to do their thing every night. Right. Um, and I, you know, there's, so the bench is Maddie Segris and Awa Queer and a couple of the players. I, uh, Diamond and Shields we're not going to see because of a knee injury, but the, that last spot in the backcourt that needs to kind of glue this unit together, I think is going to be Burton. And it seems like she's playing better and better every game. Yeah. I agree, dude. Uh, I actually like what I saw from Dallas. Obviously, Arike and Natasha both fouled out in the game, uh, as did Alyssa Thomas, but, um, overall, as can Wells Connecticut's been playing, I can't, I don't think you can be too upset if you're a Wings fan, but excited that you got away with the win here for, if you're Connecticut. Let's talk Dallas or not Dallas, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago and New York today, who, uh, just had a really, really crazy game, um, between these two teams. Chicago actually coming back, getting the win, the four point win after trailing by as much as I believe 19 in the third quarter. Um, big, big run by Chicago who, who came, uh, storming back and, and took the lead and held on to it for a four point lead in New York. Logan, what do you think? Does this game tell you more about Chicago or more about New York? I feel like it tells me a lot about the league in general. I, and mm. maybe that's not answering your question, but there's a great quote. I saw um, James K is the one who tweeted it, but I'm sure it's out there on Twitter in a couple different avenues. But basically, the James Wade quote was, I don't think there's a super team in this league. If you don't show up, you're going to get whooped, like no matter who you play, one through 12. Mm. You know. So on this show, sometimes I am guilty of taking the perspective of, there are upper crust elite teams. There are medium inconsistent, but sometimes good teams. And then there's bottom of the barrel teams. And to me, that gap seems really wide. And both the Chicago, New York game and the game we're talking about after this is kind of proof of concept that when you have a super competitive 12 team league where it's really hard to even make a roster as a first round pick, the gap really isn't as big as maybe sometimes we make it out to be, especially among like media members here. Like the, the results this year that we're seeing is, is sort of proving like on any given night, this New York super team that we lauded so much in the off season can go and lose to a Chicago team who I think a lot of people thought lost a ton in the off season and might be really bad this year. So instead you've got a Chicago sky team that I believe is four and three. And a Liberty team that is four and two, basically having the same season so far. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I think that Chicago was kind of a question mark coming into the season. Everybody expected big things from New York. To be fair, I, I, I want to give a, a shout out. I know that you three hosts at least did mention that you thought, um, it would take a little bit of time for New York to gel. Um, and maybe that's kind of what we're seeing this early season. Um, you know, early season New York with, so many new faces on the roster and most of these faces having never played together. Um, you know, I think essentially their entire starting five all were on different teams last season. Um, 
And so I think it's, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, you know, Bet Nigelani and Serena Inescu are pretty much your two <laughs> who, yeah. who are still around from last year and everybody else is new. So, um, some big, big stuff coming from New York, but not enough to hold the, the sky, uh, off. Kalia Copper actually had a phenomenal game. Yeah. Uh, shot nearly 60% from the field and had 27 points to go along with seven rebounds and three assists monster game from copper. And we talked about this in the off season that with so much star power kind of leaving Chicago with Vandersloot and Quigley and Parker all finding somewhere else to play this season that copper probably could step up and end up being, you know, kind of, she's a superstar. She is. She's, she, she's, she is the most, I, I, I will say she, she's under She's not talked about enough, not by WNBA media specific, like, like let's say us or some of these other, like, you know, WNBA primary places, but the vast majority of people who like maybe casually follow the WNBA don't know her. And it's an absolute tragedy because she's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think there is. So two years ago, Chicago won the championship. Candace Parker, it was the year like Candace Parker got there and everyone was yeah. like freaking out at the beginning of the season because she got hurt and they lost a bunch of games and then they rallied and they were really good and they won the championship. And Candace Parker herself was like, Kalia Copper is the real deal. And that's about when I started paying attention to like, okay, we know she's young and she's good, but she, like if Candace Parker's saying she's the real deal, I want to pay more attention. And all last season, I was thinking like, yeah, she's like, she's a superstar. She's just kind of overshadowed sometimes on a team full of more established names that are veterans that, you know, we kind of knew the off season where they were all going to depart was coming. So we were all kind of seeing if they were going to put together a championship run. Now they've all gone. I think we did a good job, at least in the off season of, of kind of having this. I think each of us had this. Kalia Copper is not just coming into her own, but showing us like she's been this player all along. But for some reason, I still think she's considered almost like a, no one will say this out loud, but like almost a second tier, like star in the league because you've got off the top of my head, you've got Tarazi, Deladon, Griner, Parker, Asia, Stewie, Stewie and everybody else in New York. Like, (laughs) I, I think those are kind of considered like, heavy hitters, Hall of Famers, whatever. Sure. And like, of course, when it comes to Hall of Fame and longevity of career and stuff like that, like it's much too soon for, yeah. for and, and every one of those and, deserve it. And that's so. fine. But well, Copper, I think is in that it's yeah, it's starting, playing quality. It's her. I need people to start accepting that. Like she's a perennial all-star. She's not just like, Oh, she's having a really good season. She'll probably be an all-star. Like it's a lock for me that you're building yeah. a team around her or the rest of her career. I, I really believe in her. Yeah, she puts up points, and what I love about it is she generally is putting up points in a really efficient manner. You know, she she put up 17 attempts, but, you know, she's shooting nearly 60% from the field. Now, obviously, you're not going to get that efficiency every game, but she's a pretty solidly efficient player, like, you know, yeah, most when you of can, the time. When you can go against a John Quill Jones, Bree Stewart front court and say, fine, I will step back and hit threes until you come out here and guard me and you knock down five of them. That's a pretty good way to break down a defense. (laughs) So she's, she's shooting 40, nearly 41% from the floor and 50% from three. Like that's, she's, she's having a, a really solid season. And I think she's just getting started. I think 
Chicago's going to start finding some rhythm. Um, as you look at some of the other starters for Chicago, Alana Smith, uh, Elizabeth Williams, Courtney Williams, like all three of those players are solid players, not taking anything away, but on some other teams in the league, they're bench players. You know, several of them are bench players and here, all three of them are finding themselves starting. Um, Marina Mabry also a really solid player, but like, if you look at like the rest of that Chicago roster, a lot of these players were kind of like, you know, traded away or, uh, you know, kind of released from teams like, and yet here they are with Kalia Copper and they're really, they're having a great season so far. I think Chicago could be much better than. I was at least giving them credit for They've, it. At the beginning of the I season. also love Robin Parks, the 30 year old rookie coming off the bench and giving good minutes. Yes. I think she played 20 minutes in this game. I, this is probably more talk on Chicago than is warranted, but the Liberty were purported to be a powerhouse this year. Chicago played a great second. They were down in the first half. They had a terrible second quarter, came back and won in this one. And it felt like they did it with a strong starting five that, as you mentioned, is kind of playing above the sum of their parts right now and Mm -hmm. and bench players who were not highly touted bench players coming into the season. I got to believe some of that is because James Wade is just a heck of a coach and I've always just loved him. But a lot of that is also just that this team came into the season with an attitude of like, we see all this stuff about the super teams and we see what you're saying about Vegas and about New York and we're Chicago. We're two years removed from a championship and we believe in James and Kalia and everybody else here and don't screw with us. And I love yeah. that. <laughs> I love that. Um, we got we got to move on here because we got some other stuff to talk about. But yeah, solid solid stuff. I think that Chicago's playing better, and obviously we got some early season, probably some gelling issues coming from New York. I'm not stressing if I if I'm a New York fan right now. You got to no, take some of no, these games. No panic button. I, I I'm not even I'm not even considering the panic button right now. Take it, take it. Now, if we're six weeks into the season and you're looking like just above 500, then I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable, but losing two of your first six games, don't, don't sweat it. Right. You're going to be fine. New York people have listened to the podcast for a long time. No, my magic number for the season is about 12 in terms of how many games in about a third of the way to really figure out. The team's trajectory. We're basically halfway there with most teams, not even halfway with some teams because some teams have only played four games. So right now, New York is four and two. The two that they've lost, one of them was really close. It's the beginning of the season. You, you just heard me talk about how Chicago had like an ugly losing streak two years ago when Candace was out just to come back and win a championship anyway, right? Like it's fine. No one is panicking about New York yet. I hope. No, I hope not. All right. Let's talk the Aces fever, Logan. Gosh, yes. This is the game that <laughs> yeah. this is the game that had you and I literally like at the edge of our seat all afternoon. Um because far and away, there was not a single one of us hosts that had um the, I, I'm pretty sure if if I remember correctly, every host had uh the Aces as their like number one seed, correct? And everybody had Indiana as their last, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think I think our one, two, three, and twelve was all identical. It was all chalk, right? Yeah. So <laughs> when Las Vegas 
has been going around and doing what they've been doing all season so far. And, you know, they're, they're beating teams very handily, right? They won their first game by 40, the next game by nine, the next game by 30, the next game by 20, the next game by like, like they're smoking teams, right? They're, they're absolutely like, like it's been, it's been really, we're actually going to get into the parody of the close games that we've had, but that's not necessarily the case with Las Vegas. They're, they're scoring a ton of points. And for the vast majority of this game, we're trailing the Indiana fever. Um, who have been awful, right? Who who have not looked good for they, seasons, for years. They have been poor for a long time, but have shown spirit. They they battled yes. in that Atlanta game to avoid setting the record for the longest losing streak. Had a really good game, which I yep. enjoyed because it showed some fight. Um, yeah. and it's hard to interject that, but I do. There there has been like glimpses of. Oh yeah, like the future of the league is on this team. Like there's so many first and second year players that are so interesting to me. Um, but to your point, still just we don't expect the win totals to be there this season. Right. Let me let, let me add a little perspective here for some for, for people who maybe haven't been paying attention as much to Indiana because you just haven't. Take a look at Indiana's scores though. Look at who their losses. They've got four losses on the season. Two of those are to Connecticut, who we've just mentioned is playing phenomenal basketball. Another loss was against New York, who, I mean, just at, who has like what, three MVPs on their roster, something like that. They're very good. And then to Las Vegas, who we all knew was going to be, you know, the, the, the top dogs. What, what Indiana can do over the next three games is what is really going to be intriguing to me because They've lost a f- they've lost four times to teams that they should have lost to and they beat Atlanta a team that like is probably a d- good chance like you know of, of beating uh, in Atlanta's probably a, a bottom half of the of the state there, of the league right Atlanta's a classic example of a good team that's not going to be consistent every night because they are right. also young and upcoming and figuring things out so so they got the win against a team that they probably should have but I don't think anybody has was was picking them over Connecticut, New York, or Las Vegas. However, their next three games are Chicago, Minnesota, and Phoenix, all of which are winnable games. And I'm intrigued to see what they can do over these next three games. So, not to get too far, I do too I far out this, of the weeds here. I hope this result doesn't crush their spirit because I think you're right. I I do think that the better days are ahead for Indiana. Really quick, just if you didn't get a chance to watch this game, this was close the whole way. This wasn't yeah. like the Aces fell asleep at the end of the game or the fever went way up and then got blown out in the second half. Not really the case. In fact, if anything, it was a very close back and forth game because the second half, uh, the, the fever actually won the third quarter and it like, like watching the game visually, you're like, yeah, they won that quarter. They were the better team that quarter. Fourth quarter came, came down to the last four minutes and then the last two minutes, Asia Wilson did her thing. Fever couldn't get the right playoff at the end of the game, ended up losing by four. There's a lot. I, I'm not a moral victory guy. Obviously, if you're a Fever fan, you want to keep your head up and take a lot of good things from this game. Um, to me, I learned something about the Aces tonight as much as I learned something about the Fever. And that's the they do have an Achilles heel, and it's exactly what we said it was going to be last season. And it's still there this season. And I, I don't know if any team's going to be able to take advantage of it, but they run a seven-player rotation. And that those bench minutes is where Indiana made hay tonight. 
So just something to watch. If you're looking to try to beat the aces in a series, the, it's the bench was the difference. Yeah. I, you know, I thought the, like the fever were able to dig into 10, 11 players and throw out someone like Queen Egbo who could score off the bench and Vivians who could score off the bench versus when, <laughs> like Clark and Stokes minutes for the aces are, they're just out there up under, I'm assuming a directive to never shoot. <laughs> like they're they're the fifth <laughs> offensive option. It's not a I'm not trying to slander their talents as basketball players, but they are out there to to give players breathers, right? And and that's this this Aces team is like a I don't know. It's like a I don't know. It's such a well oiled machine when the starting five are out there because no one can compete with them. But they can't all be out there for forty minutes. They tried. Yeah. Uh, Candace Parker, 24, Asia Wilson, 36, Chelsea Gray, 35, Jackie Young, 35, Kelsey Plum, 33. Like they're not, I mean, this is going to be their game plan every game this year and good on the fever for, I mean, they, they had to extract genuine like playoff caliber effort from the aces today in order to, to, for them to escape with that win because anything less and they would not have come out on top in this game. Um, you have to throw a shout out Asia's way at some point in here because she's unreal. Um, and some like to the fever's credit, there's no one in the league that can guard Asia on a night like this. She went 10 of 18. She took two three pointers. She missed both of them. It doesn't matter. It's not a part of her game. Um, she got to the foul line a bunch and that is, that is a problem for every team, but especially a a team that's, that needs more team defense like the fever. They're going to put teams on the line. Um, Vegas shot 22 free throws in this game. That was probably the difference ultimately. Um, but it's because it's, it's just such a tough group to defend. Um, right. so it's, you, you have to give Asia her flowers. I, I don't think this is going to be a game that maybe we talk a ton about after like this week, because by the end of the season, maybe it'll be distant, but it did kind of expose like, this is the Aces strategy. They're going five strong with as little rest as possible every game all year. And this is also a fever team that's got a lot of legitimate scorers on it who are just so young and they're still just barely figuring it out. And they're already like not the intimidated bottom dwelling fever we're used to over the past couple of years. They are battling. And, and I find that encouraging. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the, uh, what's what's a really telling stat, which I know you and I have varying thoughts on this particular stat. But if you look at the plus minus of these two teams, essentially <laughs> the Vegas starters all have a good plus. The Vegas bench very minus. Yeah, extreme. So it's exactly minus. <laughs> what it's exactly what you were just saying. Like you know, Candace Parker plus nineteen, like Stokes. And Clark minus 16, minus 14, like not, not great. You know, like it's, it's, it's really intriguing. What's interesting is that Indiana did this on a night where they weren't relying heavily on number one draft pick Aliyah Boston. You know, she actually didn't play. She only played about half the game and had seven points. So she didn't, she didn't do like a ton. She was in foul trouble a lot, but like, they did it with their other pieces with Wheeler, with Mitchell, with Nelissa Smith, like Queen Egbo, you know, playing good minutes. This was, this was an Indiana team that I think some people are, are really in, like 
maybe sleeping on a little bit. I think that this Indiana Fever team might just have a little bit more to them than I know I've been giving them uh, credit for. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Any last thoughts on any of these uh, recent games, Logan? My my again, one last takeaway from this Indiana game is the Aces played well. It wasn't the Aces came in sleepwalking and Indiana caught them sleeping. This was your classic. I mean, they didn't hit threes because Vegas just doesn't hit threes, but it doesn't matter. They get to the line, they shoot a bunch of free throws. Um, but they actually lost the rebounding battle to Indiana. Uh they they only had five turnovers. So that again, team mm. defense for Indiana. Like the, you have to force more turnovers. You can't put people on the line so much. Asia's gonna hit all our free throws. But beyond that, like this is there's don't get me wrong, there's still gonna be times this year where we watch a fever final score happen that's probably like, ooh, that's ugly. You know, like that's yeah. still in the cards. There's there's gonna be a couple games that Indiana <laughs> but, gets blown out this season. Let's but just it's be really encouraging that they're I don't know that they maybe that there's a culture change to believe in there after a long time of just feeling like like whatever the coach or the GM or the leadership or the roster or whatever's going on there there's just not a lot of reason to be optimistic. This is like one little shiny like oh there's there's kind of reason to be optimistic. I think Melissa Smith is going to be elite scorer in this league. I think I everyone agrees Aaliyah Boston is going to be that, you know, that player for a long, long time. I think nobody in the league is anti Erica Wheeler. Um, yeah. and Kelsey, Kelsey Mitchell, who did like, she didn't get it done at the end of this game when like the team needed her to, to be the go to. She oh, still she had, had 22 points game. in this game. She played really well. It's just sometimes <laughs> you play against Asia Wilson and you get beat. It happens to a lot of people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so props to them for this. And I, I love that this kind of puts an exclamation point on an early slate of the season that has been defined by incredibly close games. In fact, historic rates of close games. Yeah. I want to, I want to, you've got, you've got some uh, stats here, Logan. I do. So I, I want, I want to dig into this because what, like this, Aces Indiana Fever team like game is probably the best segue to that that you could possibly imagine because Las Vegas as dominant and as unbeatable as everybody you know thinks they're going to be or thought they were going to be I mean they have been they're 6 and 0 and yeah like Indiana's what 1 and 4 now after this but Indiana kind of looked like the better team for the vast majority of this game so it feels as though there's been so many close games this season, like so many games that have come down to just like the wire right at the end and have been so much fun. And it's not just, if you've been thinking that it's not, it's not just that like there, it's not just you is what I'm trying to say. There's actual like evidence of this. Logan, do you have your info? Yes. Uh, that you shared early with me. This is, I found this so interesting. So this is courtesy of across the timeline on Twitter. They're at WBB timeline. They're an essential follow. Um, for even if you're not like super into analytics and stats, they just always tell you what the stakes are going into every game every night in terms of like who's coming up on big milestones. Go follow them. Um, this is courtesy of their tweet from earlier today. 34 games have been played so far this season. The average margin of victory is basically nine and a half points per game. And remember, that's with some extreme examples of, you know, Indiana and Connecticut, or excuse me, uh, Vegas and Connecticut and some of the teams just like getting some big wins early in the season. Nine and a half point average margin of victory. 
the percent of games decided by five points or fewer, 35%. Over a third of the games so far this year have been basically two possession games. Um, including, I, I don't know if you saw Saturday, like Saturday was a day of, there's an overtime game and then like three other games were one point <laughs> and it had never been done before. So that was a little bit of an anomaly, but like was very fun. And then I'll give you the last number here. It says percent of games decided by 10 points or fewer, 73 and a half percent. So you're basically like anything beyond 10, I won't call a blowout, but I'll say like it's decided before you get to the final minutes of the game. So for every four women's basketball games you're watching in the WNBA this year, three of them have you on the edge of your seat in the final minutes. That's pretty good. That's really good. That that means I mean that means there's something to play for in, in this league every single night, which we knew already. But even if you catch the game halfway through or at halftime or in the final two minutes on league pass, it's it's been the most. It, it, I should have mentioned this. All of those numbers would be league records if if the if the season ended today. That would be it would blow all the records out of the water. Hmm. Like. <laughs> The, so you, what we're what we're saying is when we had a really hard time picking our four through <laughs> eleven seeds in the preseason, um, there's a reason for that, and it's not even just those like middle pack teams that are that are doing this. As we saw tonight, there's teams like New York and Las Vegas and Connecticut all playing very close games, even though you know they're kind of towards the top of the mountain right now, like. You know, if Dallas and Indiana were going to go toe to toe with the Aces and New York, I wouldn't consider those games to always be close. And yet we're seeing that along with a lot of other close games in that kind of middle of the pack group. So really intriguing, dude. I, th- I think there's going to be, there's going to be some really big surprises in some games, uh, this season simply because of the, the closeness in, in how this goes down. And, uh, I, I think that the playoff seeding, is going to be really, really interesting when that when that finally comes around. Um, all right, Logan. One last little topic that I want to uh, that I want to hit with you, and I have to apologize. It, maybe you remember this. I can't remember what account it was that put this out. Uh, as far as like who are our who are the top points per game uh, leaders were. I think they listed like the top five or six. But it kind of. Uh, do you remember the the tweet or the account that that came from? I'm blanking right now. I, who, who we got this idea from? I, I would love to seconds, give them credit. I'm seconds away from finding it. Okay, see if you, <laughs> see if you can find it. While he's doing that, um, this last segment that we're going to be covering here, essentially, we got this. We got an idea when we saw the when we saw a tweet that we are going to take all of the players who are currently as of Sunday night averaging 20 points per game or more and go around and debate who we think is going to be the WNBA scoring title winner for this season. So there are currently eight of them. And, uh, and, and so we'll be discussing each of those eight as we go along. So the original tweet, I think actually came from sports center, which is really boring. Oh, okay. I don't uh, remember who well, tweeted it onto our timeline, though. I shout apologize. out to Sports Center. There you that, go. Oh, I want to make sure we gave him credit. Well, uh, we can give Sports Center credit. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, we we love Sports Center. I just I thought it was someone that we knew. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. All right. Here are your top eight in order. All right. Number one in points per game by a ways. No less. <laughs> Number one, Jewel Lloyd with 28.8 points per game in only four games played. Number two, Brianna Stewart with 23.7. Number three, Satu Savali, 22.2. Number four, Brittany Griner, 22. Jackie Young, 21.8. Number six, Arike Ogumboale with 21.2. Number seven, Asia Wilson at 20.7. And number eight, Neka Ogumake at 20.3. Logan, just looking at that top eight right now, who do you think is the biggest surprise? I think probably the biggest surprise to me is Jackie Young. Uh, just because of how loaded Vegas is and you'd expect Kelsey Plum and, uh, Asia Wilson to do so much scoring that it really limits your ability to average a good number every night. But there she is at number four, just, you know, a bucket behind Arike, who we know is getting tons of volume every night behind Stewie, um, who's, you know, multiple MVPs. So yeah, uh, I think Jackie Young's probably the one that is is maybe the biggest eyebrow raiser. There's another name who we've already brought up in this episode that I'm pleasantly surprised to see up there who I'm assuming you're going to want to talk about. Do you have an answer to that question? Um yeah, well there's 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 two ways to look at this, right? There's 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 two reasons why you could be surprised. One is just name recognition, who's a name that you wouldn't expect to be, you know, leading the league in scoring, and that's probably Satu Savali because we just haven't okay. that's necessarily who I seen that. But I I'm kind of with you. I think it's really interesting that we have two Las Vegas Aces players in the top eight that are both averaging over 20 points per game. Like that's really intriguing to me because you've got Candace Parker, who we know can put up points. You've also got Kelsey Plum, who we know can put up points and Chelsea Gray, who can put up points. And so the fact that we have two Aces that are, not necessarily the lone focal point of an offense in the top eight is really intriguing. And you could say the same thing about Arike and Satu, like those two being, you know, you've got two of your top six coming out of Dallas. Also really intriguing, you know, yeah. and, and I'm curious to, it, it's interesting that they are here on the, and it kind of what that might say about Dallas, you know, so anyway, I, I, I do think it's, it's kind of an interesting, uh, consideration to take a look at. Um, but yeah, Logan, kind of the premise of this is I want to talk looking forward. Which of these players do you think has maybe the best shot at ending the season as the scoring, like, you know, uh, winning, winning the scoring title, basically? So uh, when this original question was posed on Twitter, I said, give me Jewel versus the field. Uh, and that's when she and Arike were like neck and neck. And granted, Jewel's played four games this season. Arike's played like six. It's still super early. But right. they were both at like 25, 26 points a game. And I was like, I'm I'm taking Jewel. And I'm taking her for pretty obvious reasons. I think a lot of people are going to follow my thinking on this, which is she is the go-to offense for the entire Seattle storm. Like right. she's going to, she's got guaranteed volume. Like if, if you're a fantasy football player or fantasy basketball player or whatever, you want like the guaranteed opportunities, right? Like she's, she's going to have so many shots a night. In fact, going back to across the timeline, um, which is really helpful index for this sort of stuff. 
Um, you can sort it by game average or per 36 minutes. It doesn't really matter what you do. It's obvious that Jewel Lloyd is having a career year in a lot of different ways. She has never attempted more than like, it's like she's never attempted 15 shots on average in a game in her career. She's averaging 23 shots a game this season. Um, that is a significant spike. Uh, and she's hitting them at a better rate, by the way. She's hitting she's threes efficient. better than yeah. she ever has by a lot. She's never been a 40% three-point shooter before. She's 44 this year so far. So she's on a tear. It could cool off because maybe the three-point shooting takes a yeah, step back or, or hits a slump for a little while. But the opportunities are going to be there all year long. And for that, I, I think she's going to end up averaging the most because... We've, we've seen like Arike is going to go for 40 this season and Arike is going to have games where she goes for eight. And right. And like, I, that's going to balance out. I, I think Jewel is going to be a little bit like maybe lower ceiling, higher floor, more consistent and end up winning that battle by the end of the year in terms of like points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so even, even now it's less of maybe a, a sexy pick now because. The, right now, the gap is like, oh, she's averaging it's five huge. points a game right, more right. than everyone else in the league. But, but I you think also, I'm, you also I'm riding two, with her. Yeah, a small sample you know, size. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with her the rest of the season. And you got to assume maybe teams learn how to key in on her throughout the season. And maybe that comes down versus these other players on these elite offenses are going to have opportunities to score lots of points. Because Dallas, Vegas, um, I think even... Uh, New York, like they're going to have opportunities to put up as a team a hundred points in a, in a game. And Seattle's probably not going to have games like that. So it'll be narrower than it looks now, but I'm still taking Jewel. I like it. I think that's, I think it's a good pick. Um, and not again, like you said, not just because she's in first place by a long ways today. Um, I think that there's, I think there's a couple really interesting. Things on this list, you know, we haven't really talked hardly at all about uh, Stewie, Griner, or Agumake. Um, Stewie is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even, I don't even know what to, to <laughs> how to explain this right now. She's shooting fifty-two percent from the field. Griner shooting sixty-eight percent from the field. Like, like these are some really efficient players, right? If you sorted efficiency across the board on, on players that are, you know, putting up a a certain amount of attempts per game. Um, Stewie, Griner, Sobley, like, like those three might be right at the top of your list as well. Um, so it's not just volume for these three. It's, they're actually being efficient with the ball when they, when they have it. Um, not only is, is is Stewie just just who she is? But the fact that she's doing so with a thirty one point zero efficiency rating is bonkers to me. That's it's absolutely it's absolutely crazy what she's what she's doing right now. Um, in fact, let me sort this right now. I just sorted efficiency, and <laughs> wouldn't you know it? Here's the top five as far as efficiency rating goes. Brianna Stewart, Brittany Griner, Satu Sabali, so the three that we just <laughs> mentioned, Asia Wilson, Neko Gumake. Okay, so all top so 10 scores. all top, yeah, five yeah. of the top eight are also in the top, are, are the top five of efficiency. So it's it's just impressive what all five of those players are, are doing. And so because of that, I tend to maybe lean a little bit that way just in case there's something, if, if teams start keying in on Jewel Lloyd and say, all right, 
We got to just, we're going to make the rest of the team beat us. If that's the case, I think one of these other players really could be that. I think another player who's maybe in a slightly lesser type role as Jewel is probably NECA. Um, NECA is, is being very efficient right now. Um, she's averaging 20.3 points per game. She's shooting 56% from the field and she's getting to the line a lot, uh, where she's shooting 96%. So I think NECA really could be someone who I could see slowly creeping up this, uh, up this, this leaderboard here simply because you look at who she's playing with right now. And you've got, uh, you know, her sister, you've got Laisha Clarendon, Lexi Brown, Jordan Canada, um, Dierka Hamby. Yeah. I think, I think like, like I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to look at who, who the, who is going to be scoring points for Los Angeles. Yeah. It's kind of NECA as your, your one a, and then you got, it's kind of a, a decent step down as far as, as your scoring potential goes. So that I, I think Neca could could easily be one who goes up the leaderboards a little bit here. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. And I I did want to give a shout out to uh, there's a couple kind of funny anomalies in when you're looking at stat sheets and stuff like that. Um, all of these players do it in such different ways. Jewel Lloyd hits like four threes a night. Um, Asia has yet to hit a three. Yeah, they're both <laughs> they're both like tops in the league in scoring. Um, some of these players turn the ball over. Some don't. I won't get into that. I love that the two averaging, like like their top six scores in the league and averaging 10 rebounds a night are Stewie and Satu Sabali. Yeah. Um, you, don't, you don't generally... I, I think people are recognizing her potential, her ceiling, her talent, the, you know, the need to get her as much offense as you give Arike in that offense in Dallas. I don't think people are ready to have like a Satu Sabli MVP conversation yet, but like in the first two seconds of the season, she's basically doing that type of like, she's having that type of season. She's, I think she's having a better season than Brittany Griner so far. Oh, it's close. Yeah. It's almost identical. It's very, very similar, like eerily similar. So that's, that's where she's at for context. Yeah. I think, yeah, Sabli like, I don't know. Right now, if I'm Dallas, I'm, I'm swinging my pendulum more and more in Sabali's favor. Again, Arike, Arike is a, a, a big scorer, but I don't know if her efficiency has ever been I, really solid. I think that's the and one. I don't knock even, I don't even know if that's even her as, fault. No, I think she's I, had to force a lot of stuff yes. in that offense in the past. Yes, because yes, yes, it's yes, like, yes. it's like they're telling her, like, it's you. It has to be you. Like, and we've seen her be able to do it. Like, like we know the type of player that Arike is and that she can be, but I, I feel like her efficiency has, has been really, really poor simply because she's had to be the one scoring and Dallas has been like, well, that's all we have. But now I'm starting, if I'm Dallas, I'm going, Oh, maybe we had Sabali all along <laughs> and we should have been getting the ball, ball more to, to her. Or maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Sabali wasn't there the last couple of seasons and finally has kind of turned a corner yeah. and is, is going to start putting everybody on notice. And that actually bodes very well for Arike because if Sabali's now going to be demanding a lot of defensive attention, 
that's going to do nothing but open up things for Arike. If Arike can now just play within a system and not force things like she kind of unfortunately has been made to do throughout her entire WNBA career, there's going to have to be kind of a mental shift for her. If she and Sabali can work and and play very unselfish basketball, I think Dallas could be a really dangerous yeah. this season. This could be a really, really fun Dallas team. Uh, sorry, I got sidetracked. I agree with you, and I got sidetracked because I had to do some digging. Do you know, uh, first, do you know how many threes Asia Wilson has attempted this year? Um, off the top of my head, I, I think I've only seen her do like a couple, I don't know, like three probably. I don't know. Six. <laughs> really? <laughs> and she, I, this, this is not, we do not slander Asia Wilson on the show. We love Asia Wilson. I just, I love the contrast between WNBA basketball and the NBA right now, just based on like, <laughs> like Asia's one of the, you know, maybe the face of the league. She's reigning champion. She's won MVPs and she just couldn't be less interested. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if I, I wonder if I'm on the, I wonder if my site is, is up to date. Oh, I'm, I'm on around the, uh, across the timeline. I don't know if you know, I'm on the got... WNBA's website. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because I just looked at it, as you said that after you said six, and I looked at it, it says one attempt. <laughs> so I maybe if if this is off for <laughs> everybody, you know what? It probably is because as I'm looking, Dallas. No, Dallas has played. No, we're good. Dallas played six, and Las Vegas played. Six. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think mine's updated on on a couple of things, but. It was. It's different than it was this morning when I was looking at this. Not, not the first time WNBA.com has not been, has been <laughs> a go-to resource. Yeah, because if you've got figures. six attempts, WNBA is saying one. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think the rest of these stats are pretty close. <laughs> none, none of that probably matters. At it probably all. doesn't. Just, but that's crazy. Curious. Six uh, in what six games? Yeah, one per she, game. She averages like one a night. <laughs> That's crazy. And there's nothing wrong with I actually am relieved that like I this is gonna get a little philosophical. I, I love watching the the WNBA because so much of it revolves around both three point shooting and bigs in the middle and ball movement and cutting to the rim and creating the way that the NBA used to in the early two thousand. I think that's cool. So right. I have no issue with players just being like, This is what I'm good at. I know what I'm about. Um there's plenty of three point shooting in the league outside of Asia Wilson. I'm not worried about it, but mm-hmm. I just think it's a funny, like it, it's just funny because she's so good that you just assume that there's nothing she can't do. And she just does everything she does without ever worrying about stepping outside. Part of that could also be that all of her teammates hit threes. And if she's out there, it means something has gone wrong. Um, you should find, yeah, I was gonna say one of if, about four other players. <laughs> I was so. like, she's probably of the five. She's your number five to take a three. <laughs> so, so she she had a bunch last year. Like she finally got it going last year. I don't want to act like it's never happened, but sure. anyway, that wasn't a planned segment. She was allowed just, to shoot I went them down a, after I went down a, a, a coaching change. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Logan, uh, let's see. Your official pick is Jewel. I probably would say Jewel as well if I were you. Um, man, I don't know who else I would 
puts just simply if if I had to if you had to say a non dual one because I'm going to pick that let's pick our second option because I think that's where you and I may may differ who you got as your second option oh, as far question. as as far as uh it, let's say Jewel uh teams key in on her and all of a sudden she's averaging you know ten points I don't know. Yeah, like or or an injury or something like that. Yeah, an injury. I, or I don't something, know, yeah. but yeah, I, I think it would be boring to say Stewie, so I won't. This is tough because it's it's like it's going to be close anyway. Yeah. I think I will say Arike. Okay, because the nights where she is nuclear happen i think more often than not like like it's an anomaly when she goes out and only gets three buckets and even though they're getting sobbly involved i think that helps her like mm-hmm. i maybe maybe she doesn't take 25 shots a game but she's still gonna get her point totals because maybe she's more open she's taking better looks i i i just i trust someone who's done it before and we know she's an elite scorer and i do think that the ball like new york is still figuring out how to move the ball around and where it needs to be and how often. And I think things could change in that offense a lot. And maybe they would even be wise to put less on Stewie's shoulders more of the time because she does so much rebounding and other things for that team that like, maybe you want her more active on defense instead of being your leading scorer every night. Cause you have other players you could score. I don't know. This is, I'm just postulating here. I'm going to go Enrique if I, if I get to pick a number two. Yeah, no, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think that there's a case to be made for uh, Stewie just simply because of efficiency, um, you know, as, as well as she's scoring. And honestly, not to, not just because of the storyline, Brittany Griner might be it because <laughs> I think, I think we're looking for the same reasons why we've said Jewel Lloyd and uh, we mentioned NECA, right? Like kind of being that, that one option on your team, like, Las Vegas or not sorry not Las Vegas but um uh Phoenix kind of has you know not necessarily every they don't necessarily have like a major like scoring uh like like a major scoring um you, threat outside of of uh Griner you know like i mean they right. they, they do a little bit Tarazi is Skydig there's a there's a whole we could do a whole podcast episode on Skydig and and Phoenix right now but Tarazi tries going to put up some points but right now Sutton Shook Sutton is the third person on this team as far as points per game Sophie Cunningham fourth Mariah Jefferson fifth like if if Tarazi isn't doing it Griner's Griner's got to kind of be that 1A for this Phoenix team so I think that for some of those same reasons that we were mentioning some of these other players, I think Griner's got to get at least a little bit of yeah. attention there. Griner and NECA play the fewest minutes out of all the, you know, the eight or 19 names that we've been discussing during the segment. Mm, I um, look at that. And they're, yeah. and they're still able to score with the top scores in the league because they're so efficient. So they're asking, you know, those teams are asking a lot of those players and they're doing it, but they're also taking, you know, they need 10 minutes throughout the game to take a breather. Right. Maybe they can find a way to either ask less or keep them on the floor more. And I could, yeah, I could see Griner, you know, another another bucket or two a game would do it. 
So, yeah, I like it. All right. Well, Logan, we have gone long on this episode, so let's go ahead and start to close things out. But thank you, everybody, for listening in and tuning in. We will be having another episode coming your way very shortly here. We've got some fantastic results so far in the WNBA. Lots of parody. Um, if you, uh, if you're like us, then every game that you've watched so far has had you on the edge of your seat. I have yet to watch a blowout. Uh, the games that I have been able to catch have all been very close and it's been a lot of fun. So we'll see, uh, if that continues throughout the rest of the season. But thanks for listening. Make sure you hit us up with that five star review. Find us on Twitter or TikTok at WNBA Nation Pod. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you in the lobby later. You tell me.